Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you this evening until 10 o'clock. How you doing? Uh, I've been on. I've been busy this week with KMOX, but uh, nothing is as good or as satisfying, at least from my perspective, than when I get to be right here with you on At Your Service on Wednesday evenings. I want to mention, I got a lot of emails during the past week. Uh, I, can't, I stopped even counting them. But I always respond to every single email that I receive. So if you want to shoot me an email tonight, I mean, I check emails on my phone tomorrow at my office. It doesn't matter. I always respond to listeners sending emails because the point of the show is to interact with you. That's the point, either by phone, by text, by email. You can even send out carrier pigeons or smoke signals. It, it doesn't matter. It's the interaction to me that's fun. My email address, Young. that's the letter B, Y-O-U-N-G, at harrisdowell.com, H-A-R-R-I-S as in Sam, D as in David, O-W-E-L-L, would love to hear from you. Another thing is, I'd love to see you at Kegs and Eggs, because Kegs and Eggs is coming up next Thursday, and this is a deal, if you've never been before, it's an amazing event. I've been going probably for the past... Uh, four or five years. My wife comes with me. You get to see uh, Cardinals people. You get to see Cardinals management. You get to interact with some celebrities. You get to see almost everybody who's on Camel X. And if you see me, you're going to say, ha, now I know why he's on radio and not TV. Uh, because, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity for overweight, middle-aged, bald guys on TV. But the, But radio is the perfect venue for that. So if you want to come to Kegs and Eggs, it's next... Thursday morning from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And the location is fantastic. It's it's right outside Bush Stadium. We get to take over one of the streets. A big tent goes up. There's lots of food, lots of drinks, lots of people to see. It is a true party. And if you want to get tickets, you can just go right now to KMOX.com slash events and pick up your tickets to Kegs and Eggs. Again, that'll be next Thursday, a week from tomorrow, Next Thursday morning from 10 a.m. until 
2 p.m. It's sponsored, of course, by Budweiser and Camo X. I'll be there. In fact, I'll probably be there at about 9.45 to kick it off. And uh, my wife and I will be there. I don't have opening day tickets this year. My season ticket package sometimes has opening day. Sometimes it doesn't. I, I don't have opening day this year, so I won't be at the game. So, uh, so I told my wife, I'm sorry, honey, we don't have opening day tickets this year. She, she literally said to me, well, great. That means we get to spend more time at Kegs and Eggs. So we'll be there uh, a week from tomorrow, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can get your tickets right now at camox.com slash events. Uh, today is National West Virginia Day. And as I'm pondering this, I, I'm looking at this, National West Virginia Day. And I'm thinking, does this mean that we have to go barefoot and reduce our IQs and marry our siblings? I mean, I don't think that's the intent of National West Virginia Day. I don't think that's the intent, but that's I got to tell you that that's the the first thing that came to my mind. Um I also I also don't know if that means that if it's National West Virginia Day that our our life goal has to be to own a fireworks stand that also sells Budweiser products. I don't think that that's required on National West Virginia Day. Uh, or, you know, if you suddenly, because it is West Virginia Day, you suddenly think that, uh, that that the stock market means you have to have a fence around it with cows. I, I don't think it means that either. So there's obviously there's lots of jokes you can insert here. Whenever I tell people that I'm from a very small town in southern Illinois, of course, the line that I typically use is that the stores in my hometown have signs that say, no shirt, no shoes. No problem. And uh, actually, I'm I'm not making this up. I I go and I visit my relatives about uh, every few months. All my family still lives in southern Illinois. So I go to visit them, and uh, and I literally saw a store that had that sign that said, no shirt, no shoes, no problem. And I felt very vindicated uh, that that's been my life saying about my hometown. And lo and behold, it's it's actually true. So, <laughs> but uh, but I was on with uh, Dave Glover uh, yesterday, and what's really funny is that Dave Glover's first cousin went to my was in my high school class in my hometown, and Glover actually went to high school with her when he visited her family. So Glover and I were in high school together at least several times during the four years that I was in high school. And at my high school, sometimes for a lot of people, it was a six-year program. But for me, it was only a four-year program. And uh, and actually, I, I may have seen uh, Dave Glover in the hallowed halls of uh, West Frankfort Community High School uh, in, uh, in the 1980s. So I never knew that until very recently. Hey, coming up after the break, President Biden just signed an executive order expanding background checks for gun dealers. Now that sounds like that sounds like a good idea. I mean, how could background checks be a bad idea? But the real question is, is it legal? We're going to talk to an attorney that specializes in second amendment law and gun rights for citizens to break down what President Biden did and whether it's legal. Brad Young in with you this evening on at your service on the voice of St. Louis. Camo X. 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Live and local, this is St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you this evening. And as I mentioned before the break, President Biden, he issued an executive order seeking to increase the number of background checks that are conducted as it relates to gun sales. So the question is, is it more than that? And is this the type of legislative action via executive order that's even legal? So joining us to explore this is Emily Taylor. She's a Houston-based attorney with Walker & Taylor, a full-service criminal and civil defense firm that, that focuses on gun law cases. Hey, Emily, welcome to X St. Louis. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to talk to you. In fact, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time, and I'm glad that this we have an opportunity uh, to do this because I have a lot of questions on the legality of President Biden's actions here. But but before we dive into my concerns, can you give us a general overview of what President Biden did via executive order? Sure. So a lot of firearm-related executive orders were announced all in a bunch, um, you know, coincidentally or not, around the same time as a gigantic bank failure and bailout. So make of that what you will. But We've got a lot from the old playbook and a little from the new. So what we've got from the old is essentially lots and lots of money being thrown at federal programs that they already mess up day in and day out. Um, That's nothing new. We're throwing more money at um, trying to convince states to implement red flag laws. We're throwing more money at... Um, the mixed system, we're throwing more money at trying to convince people to, um, you know, uh, implement all sorts of storage restrictions, you know, quote unquote, safe storage practices, things of that nature. That's all sort of old news. But what's really disturbing that's happened this time is he's trying to, by executive order, um, number one, direct the DOD to, I think, create a ammunition and firearm shortage. So he's directing the DOD to um, make the streets safer by their own purchases of firearms, which is pretty transparently, take them off the market, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's supply and demand. And, and if the government buys up 
the supply, then it doesn't matter what the demand is. The demand can't be satisfied. Exactly right. And President Obama's administration engaged in some of this as well. And boy, it sure did work. And we had lots of price gouging going on because of shortages in firearms and ammunition. Yeah, there, there was a while there, Emily, when I would go, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a firearm user, I'm a proud supporter of the Second Amendment. And when you talk to people, really, there was this underground network to say, my goodness, you can't buy ammo anywhere. And as soon as someplace had ammo, it would go around social media and then we'd go there and then they would, of course, they would be sold out because of the enormous demand. But the point is, is that there was a pre-designed uh, activity that would create a shortage of ammunition. Exactly. And then what I think is the scariest part of this executive action is a direction to the ATF to further limit who constitutes a professional firearms dealer, someone who has to be FFL licensed, federally firearms licensed. And why is that important? Because if you don't have an FFL, you do not, unless your state requires it, have to conduct Mm -hmm. a background check when engaging in purchase and sale. But if we make it really, really difficult to just call yourself a private seller, then everyone has to be licensed and everyone Mm -hmm. has to be background checked. And so it appears that they are perhaps going to whittle this down to as little as five firearm sales a year would make you a professional dealer who has to get a license. That's insane. And in fact, I want to break that down with you a little bit as the interview unfolds. We're talking to Emily Taylor. She's a Houston-based attorney with Walker & Taylor, a full-service criminal and defense firm that focuses on gun law cases. And Emily, I'm going to back up just a moment before we dive into the weeds on the number of guns, because President Biden took this action through an executive order. Now, President Biden's track record at the Supreme Court has been abysmal because, at least in my opinion, he's consistently attempted to take executive action in matters that can only be changed or implemented through an act of Congress. But isn't he trying to do the exact same thing here? Absolutely. You know, we do not get to legislate through the executive branch. And when you really look at when this trend started, I mean, I have to call back to President Obama again, that's when we started to really see a ton of executive action. Um, we were in the same, a very similar situation then. Congress uh, sort of ground to a halt, particularly, though, when it comes to firearms issues. Why? Because it's not the will of the people mm-hmm. that we regulate guns into the ground. And Congress will not do it. Congress still will not do it. Um, but the answer cannot be, number one, executive action, because we elect our lawmakers and we must go through the legislative process. And it cannot be, and this has been the other Biden playbook, it cannot be through agency rulemaking. And that's what we're seeing vis-a-vis, um, you know, our new SBR rule, short bear rifle rule, which has converted arm braces into shoulder stocks and made a bunch of otherwise lawful pistols into illegal short barrel rifles. Um, Gosh, forced reset triggers, which are machine guns now under ATF rule. I mean, it's just, Mm. 
it's craziness. And we're waiting on the Supreme Court to rein all this in, which I very much believe they will. Do. I, and, and I agree. And Emily, I looked up I looked up the federal law today on what constitutes a gun dealer. And I read that a gun dealer is someone who, and I'm quoting, engages in the business of selling firearms, devoting time, attention and labor to dealing in firearms as a regular course of trade or business to predominantly earn a profit through the repetitive purchase and resale of firearms, unquote. Now, that's a mouthful, but but that, that demonstrates that a gun dealer is someone who's in the business of buying and selling guns. And, of course, those gun dealers have to have a, an FFL and they have to do background checks. But as you mentioned a few moments ago, how would this executive order impact who constitutes being a gun dealer? Well, it takes that, and that is, you know, this sort of predominantly to make a profit language is actually bad language that we got with the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. So that even made it easier to qualify as a federally firearms licensed dealer. Um, before that, it was essentially, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but if you made your livelihood, through the buying and selling of guns, you were a professional dealer. That makes perfect sense. But with the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act last year, we further opened up this definition and said, well, you know, if, we're, if you're predominantly trying to make a profit, you're a dealer. And now with this executive action, it's not even just that. It is, and this is, again, um, potentially, because we haven't seen this um, for absolute certain yet, but this is what we believe to be the case. As few as not only five purchases and sales, regardless of whether or not you are making a livelihood or predominantly making a profit, but if you even offer to sell five firearms within a year, that could mm. also potentially qualify you, even if the sales don't go through, which means someone who is clearing out a personal collection, someone who um, is, you know, really is sort of hard up for cash in the moment, is trying to raise some funds and needs to sell some long-loved firearms, a widow who's trying to liquidate her deceased husband's <sighs> estate could be an illegal gun dealer under this law. Yeah, and, and just let me give you some context. A couple of years ago, my the pastor at my church was was in the process of moving. He comes to me and he says, hey, Brad, I've got I've got about five uh, various rifles and pistols here that I can't take with me when I move. Uh, do you want to buy them? I said, sure. And I bought them. But the point is, is that he wasn't buying them for their predominant uh, for profit purposes. He was selling them because he needed to move. But under this current administration, he could have been considered a gun dealer. My pastor could have been considered a gun dealer just because he was unloading some guns before he moved. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and and that is the sort of um, the sort of thing that we will come up against, and that the Biden administration does not care about. They don't care who gets swept up in this. It's not about making sure there aren't a bunch of illegal dealers running around. And really, I mean, and he, President Biden was very clear about this. It's about making sure that as a few private sales as possible can be executed in this country, which is ultimately what the anti-gun side of the equation wants to see. Because mm -hmm. once every sale has to go through a federal background check, the federal government has the ability to shut it down. So instead of going after 
criminals who are illegally stealing guns. The Biden administration is wanting to go after mom and pops, even pastors, family members who are transferring guns or regular citizens. They're targeting regular people instead of going after the criminals who are stealing and using firearms on the streets of America. Absolutely right. And in fact, another, and this is another old playbook, but it really, I think, ties into all these other things that are happening with this executive order. Another executive order issued is a further crackdown on people who are already FFL dealers, who already have that license. Um, The Biden administration has made very clear that um, they are going to audit these businesses more often. They're going to have a zero tolerance policy for any Um, issue or mistake in paperwork. Why is that important? Because once that license gets revoked on the zero tolerance basis, every record of that FFL dealer now in perpetuity, used to be they could destroy them. Now in perpetuity, every single record of a gun deal has to be sent to the ATF. So it's very, very convenient that we're going to direct more resources towards Mm. yanking FFL dealers licenses, because once you do that, the federal government gets access to every firearm record they have, which means, I mean, I'll tell you, you know, I'm in my 30s. So all of my firearms purchases are within the last 20 years, which used to be when they could destroy records. Um, The federal government potentially could have every single one of my firearms purchases that I've made in my entire life. Goodness, that is so scary. We're talking to Emily Taylor, Houston-based attorney with Walker & Taylor, which is a full-service criminal and civil defense firm that really focuses on gun law cases. And, Emily, I was looking historically back when President Biden was vice president under the Obama administration, and I read that they were considering a rule that would have specified that anyone who sells 50 or more guns per year was a gun dealer, but the Department of Justice attorneys really forced the administration to back away from that number because they thought it would be struck down as unconstitutional. So when Obama, or rather when Biden was vice president, 50 guns was struck down by the Justice Department attorneys as being potentially unconstitutional. But what I'm hearing from you now is, is that depending on how this rule shakes out, it could be as few as five under the current administration that would force a person to comply with the gun dealer laws Uh, and and get an FFL license. That is correct. And, you know, I will say this new playbook from the anti-gun side, um, I'm not sure it's working that well in the long run, but in the short term, boy, they are sure seeing some results. They seem to no longer care whether or not um, any rule, any agency regulation, or any law on the state level, of course, we're seeing lots of anti-gun laws passed, They seem to not care whether or not ultimately it's constitutional, ultimately a court will uphold it. Um, I think that they are just counting their blessings for every second they can deprive someone of a Second Amendment right and worrying about the constitutionality later. Um, It's horrifying to see because, of course, we all know the court system moves at a glacial pace. And so today's unconstitutional law, let's say passed by the the state of Missouri, um, is the Supreme Court's decision seven to 10 years from now. So how long potentially are we living with that law? Um, And they know it.
Yes, they do. But but the thing I want to focus in on uh, before we wrap up our discussion this evening is that you mentioned that the Biden administration doesn't care about the constitutionality. But we saw the same thing with the eviction moratorium. We saw the same thing with the vaccine mandate through OSHA. We saw the same thing with COVID rules pertaining to airlines. We saw the same thing with Environmental Protection Agency rules and regulations that this administration wants to act like Congress and the executive branch by issuing executive orders, which at this point have mostly been stricken down by the courts, but they're doing the same thing here. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, this is, these will be struck down as well, assuming that they are unconstitutional overreach, which I do believe that they are. Um, It's just, you know, take a while. It's going to take a while. And every avenue of attack is important because um, we do start to set some precedent. Um, You know, the Supreme Court has set some precedent as to agency rule with uh, the case last summer. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, that still needs to trickle its way down to the ATF, but it will. And then ATF rules will be much harder to implement. And so um, it's actually, if you're on the anti-gun side, a brilliant strategy to sort of throw all of the spaghetti at the wall Hmm. because it just takes time for the Supreme Court to make these rulings, for those rulings to be, um, you know, not so narrowly tailored that you can't apply them broadly and for this all to shake out. So if you're on their side, um, they're acting very wisely. It'll work for a while. Emily Taylor is a Houston-based attorney with Walker & Taylor. And, Emily, I've watched – your firm has a popular YouTube channel that I've watched. Uh, Tell us about your YouTube YouTube channel and how folks can watch that online. Well, thank you for asking. Um, Yes, we have a YouTube channel called The Armed Attorneys where we break down um, all things Second Amendment, laws, ATF overreach, um, self-defense instance broken down by the laws state by state. You can find us at youtube.com forward slash armed attorneys. Fantastic. And if folks want to find your law firm online, how can they do that? Absolutely. That is walkertaylorlaw.com. Walkertaylorlaw.com. Emily Taylor, hey, thank you so much. I've been a fan of yours for a while watching your YouTube channel. And thanks for joining us here this evening on Camo X. Thank you for having me. Hey, we're going to open up the phone lines. Yes, that's right. Uh, lawyers, guns, and money. That's that's what you need if you're in trouble in this country. And uh, at least we've got one of those three covered right here on KMOX this evening. What do you think about this? The, the Biden administration is trying to punish you if you want to give guns to your relatives. Is that okay? Or should that be a crime? 314-436-7900 or anything else on your mind this evening. We do have open phone lines on At Your Service. KMOX. your service. Busy evening this evening. We got lots of callers. Thanks for calling in 314-436-7900. Doesn't matter what's on your mind. We take all questions, all topics. And uh, even though uh, Ken wasn't the first caller, I always put uh, people who disagree with me at the top of the list. So, Ken, welcome back to KMOX. Uh, thanks, Brad. And actually, I, I think I'm going to agree with you uh, tonight. Uh, one other thing before we get into this. Did your previous uh, guest 
talk about the uh, shooting today in Denver where it was a student, not a criminal, that shot two staff people? Did she bring that up? No, she didn't. But if I would have brought it up with her, she probably would have pointed out, because I looked into this shooting today, that the shooting, the person who did the shooting had no criminal background, had nothing that would have triggered any problems with regard to a background check and didn't obtain the weapon in a way that would have violated the new rules that President Biden is proposing. So, in other words, the new rules that President Biden is proposing via executive order and a legal executive order would have done absolutely nothing to prevent that shooting today. But you know where I stand on this? No guns. Right. No and guns. So we should just get rid of the Second Amendment. Well, why don't we enforce, uh, what are the, the first four words, a well-regulated militia? Why don't right. we just go by that? Well, we will, because the Supreme Court has already established what that means. And so we are abiding by the words of the Second Amendment right now, because the Supreme Court has already established that in the Heller case. Well, it, if that's where we're going, then yeah, I'd like to see the Second Amendment removed. Well, you know, there's a process for that. You have to get two-thirds of the states to all ratify the removal of the Second Amendment. And, uh, Ken, if you want to get started on that, you better do it tonight because it's going to take a while. Well, I'm not even going to talk about that. I'm okay, using what's that on your as mind? kind of a preamble. <laughs> okay, well, what's on your mind, Ken? Okay, well, anyway, the lawsuit uh, against Fox, Yes. Uh, all of these texts and uh, emails that have come out, and you're the attorney, uh, these come out through discovery, is that right? Correct. That's through depositions okay. and what's called requests so if, for production you know, if, of documents. If you're going to go to trial, you better be ready. You better have your ducks in a row. Now I'm going to switch this over to Kim Gardner. Well, wait, I want to, I want to talk about I want to talk about the Fox and Dominion case before we go to Kim Gardner because I'm going to tell you Ken, right now Fox will lose this lawsuit because That's under true. the New York Times versus Sullivan standard, uh, if you're going to sue a media outlet for libel, slander, defamation, you have to prove what's called actual malice, which means that the defendant either knew that what they were saying was false or recklessly disregarded whether it might be false. And all of the evidence that we've seen through the celebrity hosts on Fox, even the recent uh, the recent producer who said she was forced to to lie, was coerced into lying. All of that demonstrates that the Fox people knew it was false and they promoted it anyway. And I'm telling you right now, this case is never going to go to trial because Fox would lose, and they're going to settle it before it goes to trial. Well, that brings me to Kim Gardner. Yes. The attorney general, this uh, Andrew Bailey, uh, apparently he has been provided. I mean, it's court proceedings, documents, text. If all of this comes out, and I think it will through discovery, I, I really think that she's going to resign, and I think she should resign. And if if she is re- if she wants to go to trial, she better be ready for all of this to be thrown at her. And well, I really think her attorneys, kind of like Fox's attorneys, will say, "You you cannot beat this." Right, you but but, but see, there's a there's a big difference here, Ken. And, and number one, you're exactly right. She will lose this, and she will no longer be the circuit attorney of the city of St. Louis. But the problem is, is that Kim Gardner's worldview is that she believes that everyone's against her because of racism. And and so, therefore, whenever the, the attorney general, who's white and Republican and male, takes an action to get rid of her, 
that just fuels her or her uh, conspiracy or conspiratorial view of world events and really empowers her supporters to say, see, I was right. And in that instance, it's a lot like Trump, where these conspiracy theories really empower the supporters instead of forcing them to do what's right. I don't think Kim Gardner is ever going to resign. She ought to be forcibly removed from office. And when she is, she probably will run for reelection. <laughs> I'm telling you, she will. Mark my words. The sad part is you're right. Uh, you know, this blind faith that her supporters have, I, I, I mean, it does remind me of Trump that no matter, you know, he's the one that said, I, what was it, I could shoot somebody on Broadway and... Uh, yeah, and and, and, I, and I, nobody I, would I, care. I, I and away yeah. with it, and I think she's of the same opinion. She is, and, and that's that's why those types of individuals are what we call a cult of personality. And that's what Kim Gardner is. She has a passionate, passionate group of supporters who will actually be empowered when she's removed from office. So I don't see her resigning anytime soon. Hey, Ken, I've got a lot of calls. Uh, Also, man, I wish you would have called in last week because I was talking about how Ron DeSantis is completely wrong uh, about Ukraine. But just to show you that unlike Fox News, I'm actually fair and balanced. But hey, thanks for calling in, my friend. Okay, same to you, Brad. Thank you. Hey, we're going to go to Troy, who's been holding a while. Hey, Troy, welcome to KMOX. Thank you. Uh, my question is, in the previous half hour, your guest on there had spoke about licensed gun dealers, but the, the subject of auctions never came up. Now, I know if I go to a gun shop, I have to, uh, you know, you got the waiting period, the background check and sure. all that. What about with auction houses? Is, does that apply on those as well? Well, with auction houses, and now I haven't researched this, so I'm going to give you that a bit of a caveat. But my recollection of when the last time I looked at this is that auction houses are covered by the requirement to be a gun dealer because the purpose of an auction house is to sell guns for profit. And that fits the definition of federal law in terms of entities that are gun dealers. So I do believe that auction houses are covered under the FFL license requirement because they're doing it for profit. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Thank you. Hey, we're going to take a break. I believe we got Larry that's holding. Hey, Larry, stick around through the break, my friend. We've got to take a break here because, again, producer uh, Matt Pajeski, he's extremely expensive. So we've got to take a break. We'll be right back on At Your Service. Stick around. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you this evening. And uh, my good friend Larry's been holding for a very long time. Hey, Larry, good to talk to you, sir. Brad, I need your valued opinion here. My question is about our county executioner, Sam Page, not executive executioner. So I have come upon the knowledge yesterday that at the end of the year, All the county police officers, according to Sam Page's edict, are going to lose their health care. Are you aware of this? You know, I have not heard that. Uh, I I did know that at the end of 2022, Sam Page proposed cutting 375 vacancies and 24 new jobs when it came when it came to the police, the county police department. But, no, I haven't heard about this latest move to cut back. I don't know how they could, because technically, I mean, not even technically, the, the St. Louis County police, they're all under a collective bargaining agreement. 
So I, I don't know how their benefits could be cut, certainly by Sam Page, unless it was something in conjunction with the county council. And I certainly don't see the county council doing that. Well, uh, I have a, a retired officer in the family. And I went out with my daughter-in-law yesterday to celebrate my birthday. And she told me that uh, the the son would lose their health benefits due to Sam Page. Now, what my question is, what what if this is if this is in, indeed fact, is there any recourse here? Can the, are these uh, officers still in a union? Can they what what what's the recourse? Well, let me say first and foremost, Larry, again, not, not having researched the, the question here, but off okay. the top of my head, I will tell you that I think it would be almost impossible for Sam Page to pull that off unilaterally. Secondly, since the police officers are covered under a collective bargaining agreement, the union would certainly file protests and it would be in violation of the collective bargaining agreement. Thirdly, there would be a lot of other issues that it would violate uh, because of the size of county government and requirements to to provide uh, health insurance benefits. I just don't see how that could could happen. Now, I could see where uh, Sam Page could propose making police officers and maybe even other county employees personally pay a greater portion of mm-hmm. those health insurance benefits. But if it went against the wording of the collective bargaining agreement, then he wouldn't even be able to do that. So um, I, I don't maybe that's something that's being discussed in the hallowed halls of county government in Clayton. But I can tell you, Larry, that anything like that would be a long shot or perhaps even dead on arrival. It'd be a long shot like, like- doing away with the Second Amendment. Yeah, ex- exactly, <laughs> like a previous caller was advocating. And that's You're just right. that's just realistically not going to happen. No. You know, it, it wouldn't even be an incentive for a police officer to join the force, and then when he retires, he loses health benefits. Are you kidding me? Yeah, what kind of incentive would that be to become a county police officer? You know, one of the things that's helped the recruiting in St. Louis County police has been trying to lure and successfully luring police officers from the city of St. Louis to come out to the county. Well, if the county did any sort of a move like this, not only would they stop luring police officers from the city, but they would lose, even if it were possible to do this, they would simply lose untold numbers of police officers who would simply go to work for municipalities or move outside of the area and the county really couldn't recover from that. If you get a chance, can you check into this and I'll listen to you next week? I will. I'll make some phone calls. I've, I've got some people who would absolutely know if this is being discussed. And I will make some phone calls this week. And uh, and I will bring this up next week. You can send me an invoice. Have a good evening. <laughs> I'll do I'll do that, Larry. I bill <laughs> at three fifty right. an hour, so I'll send you All a right. bill. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks for calling in this evening. Um, I had another caller who called in, uh, couldn't stick around because we had a lot of calls, but wanted to know about if I knew about the Jack Daniels bad Spaniels case at the Supreme Court. And this is something that, that I've been talking about for a very long time as this case has moved through the lower courts, because so rarely do we get to have uh, legal cases in general, but specifically cases at the Supreme Court that are just downright hilarious. And this is one of them. So in case you're not familiar with it, let me give you a really quick summary. 
Uh, there's a company that makes a chew toy, and the chew toy is in the exact same shape of a Jack Daniels bottle of whiskey. You know what a Jack Daniels bottle of whiskey looks like. Well, this chew toy looks exactly the same. And, you know, there's a distinctive font on a Jack Daniels bottle, and this chew toy has the exact same coloring, the exact same uh, font that's used, except it's got a picture of a spaniel on the on, on this on this rubber chew toy. And where it says Jack Daniels on the bottle, on the chew toy it says bad spaniels. And where it says on the bottle of Jack Daniels, the old number seven, uh, on the chew toy, it says the old number two on your Tennessee carpet. So it's you know, it's obviously it's obviously a parody of a bottle of Jack Daniels. Well, Jack Daniels didn't think it was nearly as as, as entertaining as I do. And so they filed a lawsuit. It's been litigated for several years now as to whether or not this works or this operates as trademark infringement. So it gets to the Supreme Court today. Oral arguments just today at the Supreme Court. I wanted to listen, but I was too busy with my real job and I couldn't listen to the uh, live audio feed for oral arguments. But I was reading some excerpts from it. And I got to tell you, this is my this is my favorite line. Because, of course, you probably know under the Copyright Act, if something is a parody, then it's not it's an exception to the to the trademark law. That's why Saturday Night Live can exist, because they're making fun of people. They're making fun of things. They can do those fake commercials. But if it's a parody, you get away with it. So Justice Elena Kagan, uh, she she I'm reading verbatim what she said. She said. Excuse me, because I maybe just have no sense of humor, but how is this a parody? Unquote. Well, Justice Kagan, really, you're at the U.S. Supreme Court, and you can't understand how a chew toy is a parody of a bottle of whiskey? Uh, I'm I'm very sorry, Kagan. Uh, you, you just really uh, have to, to get with it. And, uh, and, and even Justice Thomas starts making jokes. Uh, he was talking about uh, Doggy Walker and... And I, it all, I'm not going to read all of the stuff that he said, but he was cracking jokes. So it's not very often that you see basically a comedy routine at the Supreme Court. But we had one there today. So the bottom line legally is whether consumers would be confused. So if you see a chew toy, are you going to be confused and think that this is actually a bottle of whiskey? Uh, if you are, then you've got more problems than Justice Kagan. Because who can't tell the difference between a chew toy and a bottle of whiskey? Uh, maybe if you've been drinking a lot of whiskey, you might get confused. But that's due to excessive alcohol, uh, not market confusion. So uh, we won't get a decision on this case until summer. But I promise you, I will stay on top of this legal dogfight. Brad Young here uh, at your service. We'll be right back after this. Don't go away. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 